You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where every episode we discuss a different album from Robert Emery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. episode will be talking about bruce springsteen born in the usa in the room i have rob oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> out on the line i have kyle cover me <laughs> born in the usa is the seventh studio album by the american rock and roll singer bruce springsteen and was released on columbia records on june 4th 1984 the producer was john landau chuck polkin bruce springsteen and stephen van zandt Genre is rock and roll, heartland, rock, and pop. And I'm going to read from the book Bruno McDonald. Gleeful giggles must have enveloped CBS in the summer of 1984, just as Thriller dropped from the Billboard's top five, Born in the USA, took its place, hovering near the summit for more than a year. Both have survived with style, the hoopla of their heyday. Indeed, with seven top ten singles apiece, they actually sound like greatest hits packages. Springsteen's success was due in part to a new directness. The grim Nebraska behind him, he distilled his poppiest set from a rumored 100 songs and secured its iconic status with the Leibowitz photograph of his denim-clad derriere. From Born in the USA, which was originally an acoustic lament and is now a Who-style thunderstorm, to the downright sexy I'm on fire and the warm-hearted glory days, the music is deceptively commercial. Deceptively because the lyrics reward uh, inspection. There is dancing in the dark about his frustration at having to write a hit. The yearningly lovely Bobby Jean is an homage to sidekick Steve Van Zant. The wacky rock and roll of working on the highway masks a gritty lyric, and the apparently patriotic born in the USA is actually a scathing condemnation. Further confirming his brilliance, he makes the chest-beating no-surrender as moving as the lovesick I'm on fire. The album is easily misinterpreted. Then-President Ronald Reagan cited the title track as an example to follow, and its success, more than 15 million sold in the United States alone, can raise cynical hackles, but do not be fooled. In its spirit love home and honesty and in its songs the album has heart and soul to spare all right what do we think of bruce springsteen born in the usa no duh yeah duh no. amazing it's a juggernaut duh. it's a crazy i kind of forgot how yeah every song every single song even the deep cuts are just astonishing heartland rock tunes I- I still cannot get over that he wrote part of these while he was doing Nebraska too. Most yeah, I couldn't get over that too. Like half these, not half, but at least a third of these songs, it was like a leftover from Nebraska. I was like, oh my God, 
Like, I, there was something happening to him at that time when he was... He was in a weird place. He's writing so many songs, and they're all good. Yeah. Prolific. Yeah. As prolific as he'll ever be. Like, yeah, on, I would on, say on so. On that run. Jesus. It's strange that he still kind of dismisses this record as being like, huh. I think so, too. Yeah. Like, he, he, he was super excited about the Nebraska stuff. But the, this, this record... Not uh, not not as much. Was he excited? There's a lot of disillusionment on this record. Yeah, he thinks that the songs are just kind of like throwaway pop pop songs. Like, because <laughs> seven of the songs were like gigantic hits. Yeah, I guess. I think I don't know. I interpret it as well. It's good. That's where the money was. But I don't think he was. I mean, you you think that he he really felt like Nebraska was. I mean, uh, you're I'll, right. You're I'll, right. I'll, I'll okay, read a quote okay. from him if you want. No, you're right. He did feel like he got quote. snubbed with Nebraska because no one understood it or got into it, and and this just like blew into the stratosphere. Yeah, it. I mean, well, Nebraska was no slouch. <laughs> no, it's it, amazing. It, album. And no, it, it sold incredibly well yeah. too. Yeah, like, yeah. It, it, it was by no no stretch of the imagination like a a bad thing, but like. Um, he had mixed feelings about the album, believing Nebraska contained uh, some of the strongest writing while born in the USA did not necessarily follow suit. The title mm-hmm. track, quote, more or less stood by itself, he declared, and, quote, the rest of the album contains a group of songs about which I've always had some ambivalence. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Like, obviously, the most famous example is, is the title track, but um, a lot of these songs sound like really upbeat rockers. And then you look at the lyrics and they're. Almost exclusively about being unemployed. Seventy-five <laughs> percent of the lyrics on this album are about an unemployed protagonist. But that's—I mean, that—I think that's why it's Heartland Rock. It's such a dumb of course, name yeah. for everything. But like, yeah, like it—it—it it, it plays to the same demographic as like I've lost my job because people are buying Hondas, or I've lost my job because steel's being manufactured cheaper in mm-hmm. like uh, China, or yep. I've lost. Yeah, yeah. My job at the whatever factory because they stopped making whatever. Like it, it, it appeals to that dying working class of uh of the eighties. Uh, American disillusionment. Yep, absolutely. Which was which is amazing because it 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 feels very patri- like it has a patriotic sentiment, but obviously the lyrics are. A completely yeah. different story. If you just look at the cover and you hear Born in the USA on the radio, like I guess Ronald Reagan did. You yeah. know, you look at the cover. Yeah. If you don't listen America's to Annie anything Leibowitz, aside you know? from the chorus, sure. What a what a triumphant song about being born in the USA. Yeah, and the song's actually about a like a unemployed veteran whose brother died in Vietnam for no reason. And yep, yeah. I do have to say, I listened to this record when I was a little baby, dude. My parents mm-hmm. got this record when it came out and listened to it probably literally a thousand times. <laughs> I haven't listened to it in like 35 years. Wow. Um, really? And it really holds up. I mean, of course, I've heard, you know, these singles, but listening to the uh, record front to back, I forgot how fucking hard Cover Me rocks. Cover Me is second track, second single, a total rocker. I was kind of shocked that Born in the USA wasn't like the first single. I was too. Um, it yeah. was 
My favorite story that I that I read is he presented this album and his producer was like, I don't think I see a single on this album. Yeah, I don't hear a hit. I don't hear a hit on this fucking album. Are you kidding what? me? What? And then he went off and wrote Dancing in the Dark. And I was yeah. like, well, good. I'm, you know, I'm glad we got that song. But it, I was just like, who are you to tell him I don't hear a single on this album? A&R man says he don't hear a single. <laughs> Tom Petty also wrote Heartland Music. <laughs> but uh, despite saying I don't hear a single, there was Dancing in the Dark, then Cover Me, then Born in the USA, then I'm on Fire, then Glory Days, then I'm Going Home, then My Hometown. Seven singles. So yeah. how, how do you not hear a single when there's six other singles? It was the cocaine he was trying to get through his ears <laughs> into his brain. It was. Have you guys listened to like the original Nebraska version of Born in the USA? Yeah, it's sad. Yeah, it's, it's sad. It's, it's it was originally called Vietnam. Yeah. And Springsteen's kind of cagey. He, he really likes telling stories about his songs. I mean, he did that like Broadway show where he did that, right? Mm hmm. He does it in concert, too. That's why his concerts he, are three days long. In later years, he said, Born in the USA is not about Vietnam. That song is about Vietnam. Yeah, it is. Why wouldn't he say that? He, he was like, it's not really about Vietnam. That was the working title. I mean, that, that song is definitely about coming home from Vietnam. Yeah. He yeah. said it is. Wait, what? Yeah, he at one point said it wasn't really about Vietnam. Oh, oh. Well, yeah. I mean, maybe he was trying to make the point that it's not, I mean... Like a You Can't Come Home Again kind of song? Yeah, yeah. Maybe it doesn't have to be directly about Vietnam, but it's, I mean, very much inspired by, uh, what was it, Born uh, Born on the Bayou? Born on the 4th of July. Mm. Uh, Born the, in East L.A.? <laughs> Tom Cruise and Teach Peter Mary. Sutherland? 1979, he first read Born on the 4th of July, Ron Kovic's searing memoir of enlisting in the Marines as a blindly patriotic kid only to come back to from Vietnam paralyzed from the waist down and turn to anti-war activism. So, so what is that movie? Yes. I just didn't realize it was a book before. Yes. I... And that is absolutely the inspiration for born in the USA. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. The, I uh, just, it's, it's so interesting. The production on this album is the reason why like some songs are, going to be on Nebraska, but instead they're huge top 10 hits, you know, yeah, the exact yeah. same song. I mean, any of those songs on Nebraska, they could have just remade. And yeah. uh, I, I guess I couldn't say any of them, but there's a good majority on those that they could have just said, oh, yeah, let's just get Clarence and let's get the E Street band and let's make this a hit. Well, I mean, he came back with 80 fucking songs. Right. It was like, hey, guys. And then. They're like, uh, yeah, you should just put out a, a record with these. I don't know, 80 songs, what's wrong with you? <laughs> he was writing so many goddamn songs. Did you see who he wrote Cover Me for? Uh, Olivia Newton-John. He wrote it for Donna Summer. Yeah. And he recorded a demo and he's like, wait a minute, I think I've got some here. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. All right. Tell me some tell me some Springsteen stories. Well, I got no Springsteen <laughs> stories. I'll tell you that the uh, Yamaha CS80 is what brought that beautiful synth lead from Born in the USA to life. Yeah. Uh, which we've discussed. Yeah. In previous episodes. But yeah, that's a uh, that's that's where that 
tone came from. That that drum tone, uh, Max Weinberg was interviewed, and he said the engineer applied gated reverb, which obviously is a big thing now in the 80s, uh, using a broken reverb plate uh, to Weinberg snare, which combined with the overloaded room microphones uh, in the ceiling, you know, in the Studio A ceiling made it sound like a heavy artillery going off. Um, and the, on the final mix, uh, Bob Clearmouth somehow made it even bigger. I just thought that they threw him inside of an empty Olympic swimming pool <laughs> <laughs> with a snare drum and a mic. But I mean, those are some big drums. That's a big drum. It's a wall of sound. It's a crushing drum. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think they saw what, you know, what Zeppelin did on like when the levee breaks and they're like, let's, <laughs> let's try that with a gated, you know, re- reverb drum so cool so uh we got uh i'm on fire in our cans right now beautiful song what of great course production, that man sounds like the most like a nebraska outtake yeah i didn't want to say outtake but yeah something that probably started there yeah yeah like, uh, it did start there drums and bass in your uh in your right can mm-hmm. you got your uh your guitar in your left can and then you have this little ethereal keyboard stuff you have your headphones backwards, though. Oh, do I? Yeah. <laughs> of course I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're looking at me, then it's the uh, it's the opposite okay. one. It's stage <laughs> stage left and stage right. <laughs> Fuck off. God damn it. I'm going to switch panning. this. Hard panning. All right. Ugh. Oh, yeah. That's why it sounded weird. Okay. Uh, this entire time. But yeah, the 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 hard panning and then like uh, little uh, ethereal keyboard stuff and then the vocals like in front of the uh, mm-hmm. the keyboard stuff. It, it it's it's so beautifully sparse. Yeah, it's so atmospheric. Yeah, it just draws you in. Like it. Chris Isaac took some notes. Absolutely sure. Yeah, yeah. great, Rob. Yeah, I agree. Now I want to hear um, anybody have any theories because I have yet to find it on what is making the slight um, tonality shifts on that keyboard. Um, if you listen closely, you can hear it kind of like detune and tune. Do you, is that part of what the synthesizer is doing, or mm-hmm. is that something that like uh, that, that'd just be a little bit of modulation? Okay, the, uh, like very okay. slow modulation. So yeah such a minor like modulation there, Mm -hmm. but that is, that's used in, in a lot of like modern, um, sort of electronic music where they have that sort of slow modulation, but it's beautiful. It's such a standout. Yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable. And I, I love, um, there's a couple covers that people have done, um, of it. Johnny Cash 2000. Yeah. And they're all good. Johnny Cash chromatics did it. Um, the hero female sing it was, was, is pretty cool. And it's very like down tempo. I think Tori Amos did it, but yeah, beautiful song. I'd like to hear that. Yeah. So we got no surrender. No surrender. And this could have 100% been on bad out of hell. Yeah. I was going to say the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Born in the USA became the most commercially successful album of his, uh, one of the highest selling records ever having sold 30 million copies by oh uh, 2012, uh, and it also re- so many copies. Re- yeah, that's wor- it's worldwide. But yes, yeah. Oh my Judas Priest! I mean, shit, dude. The uh, the U.S. has uh, accounts for half of that. Yeah. 
again, I want to reiterate, I mean, we're, we just got Tina Turner. We got Thriller. It's like the golden era for. Yeah. Just spit. juggernauts. Just. Yeah. I mean, monsters. I remember, I remember little baby Rob dancing around to this on Hell tape. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Long drives with my family. We listen to this over and over and over. Like. Or like the huge double live 85 record. Oh, yeah. I only find parts of that on tape at thrift stores. No, really? Also, the first CD manufactured in the U.S. So uh, previously, CDs were manufactured in uh, Japan and then imported, but this was the first CD manufactured in Terre Haute, Indiana, Woo! 1984. Obviously, to help popularize uh, Heartland Rock, you mentioned Tom Petty before, but obviously, we have some others. Bob. Yep. Bob Seeger and and uh, the Coog. That's right, John Cougar Mellencamp. Yeah, um, honestly, it, 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 I, I got I got Boss Fatigue by Bobby Jean. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, and then by the time I'm going down came on, I was just thinking about listening to John Mellencamp instead. Really? Okay. Oh my! Which but then Glory Days, and all of a sudden, boo! A Mac. Okay. Okay. Yeah, but those the those two songs like I. Just just a little bit of boss what's, fatigue. Now, what's boss fatigue? Because I have not, re- I have not got to <laughs> boss fatigue, but I want to hear about that. Is that a condition that you have when you, listening too much to the boss? Or? Yeah, it's okay. when you watch horrible bosses one and two back to back. Oh, there's two of them. Boss I just, fatigue. I think Kevin Spacey would have been the most horrible boss. So, <laughs> but the boss fatigue is fr- comes from vocals, comes from the bombast. It it just comes from these aren't the singles and even mm. though the m- most of the deep cuts like stand up as well as anything else to the singles I, I i found that uh coming off of i'm on fire into a song that could have been a meat meatloaf song into a couple of the uh like the the b-sides i was just okay. like hmm yeah my b- b- boss fatigue was just like my ears were just kind of getting sad and then all of okay. a sudden something i recognized came yeah on yeah i, like, I can I could see that too because when I was listening to it, I mean, it's a bombastic record. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong, but it does have a little. I mean, it rain. It's it's so energetic that it does. Uh, I think yeah, you might. He I switches might get it a little, up now. Yeah, I got a little ear fatigue or something like that. Where One thing I don't once get you get to, I'm going down. What's up? I'm going down. Yeah, yeah. she was like the sixth single. Song facts called uh, this Springsteen's most repetitive song. Because he says down over 80 times. Wow. No wonder. Yeah, that's why I was thinking about Mellencamp. Thinking okay. about sucking that's off a chili dog. Yeah. It's also interesting that Dance in the Dark was a song he didn't want to write. Dancing in the Dark. Oh, my God. Um, the song he didn't want to write. First single. Uh, his hugest charting single. Yeah. Yeah, it's synth pump Springsteen. Um, it's great. Number two on the Hot 100 for four weeks. Number one on mainstream rock charts for six weeks. 
his only certified platinum single. Uh, I read that, you know, we all, we all know that the music video has like Courtney Cox being pulled on stage. Mm-hmm. Um, but that song is credited as kind of being like, uh, you know, if the MTV uh, generation of young people, that was kind of like the the bridge for them. That's what got a lot of the young people into Bruce Springsteen. What, Courtney Cox being pulled on stage and, and, and clapping? <laughs> yeah, perhaps. Wow. Perhaps. Yeah, it's true. I mean, the, Brian DePaul. It's not a typical Bruce Springsteen song. You know, he wrote it to be a hit. Absolutely. Yeah, and Brian De Palma directed it, which I was su- not aware of that. Surprised me. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it does. You're right. It does represent a different side. I think of Bruce Springsteen. It has a, a bit more of a, like a poppy, fun attitude of Bonfire of, him. of the Vanities. Brian De Palma, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Sisters. Uh, Snake Eyes. Seconds. Sister was so dope. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mission Impossible One. Yeah, that guy. Blowout. Blowout. Uh, yeah, and uh, Bruce Springsteen got him because he had seen, I believe, uh, Blowout. And that was... Uh, <sighs> Is that a fact? Something. Yeah. God damn, I love that boss. Yeah. Dancing Beautiful in the Dark never bitch. hit number one because... What do you think was number one at this time? Was it Thriller? It was not. Was it Def Leppard? Nope, but it was another one we talked about recently. Uh, Van was it Van Halen? Nope. Tina Turner? Nope. Trina Turner? No. Frankie Goes to Hollywood? No. <laughs> another classic, classic that we have just talked about. Houston Adore? <laughs> that we just talked about? Mm-hmm. It couldn't hit number one because Wind Doves Cry was uh, number one uh, at the time. Yeah. Uh. That's yeah. a, that's okay. That's good. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. They should have toured together. Can you imagine? Oh my god! Oh my Prince god! Prince and the Boss together, one night only. Holy Some shit. alternate reality that exists and eight-hour show. I was gonna say, would that be an eight? How, how long would that show be? Uh, also, to mention directors and his music videos, uh, "Born in the USA" was by, and I believe. Um, Babe on Fire are by John Sayles. Oh, how about that? Yeah. So wonderful yeah. directors. Cool. Uh, this was also the best-selling album of 1985. Was it? Mm-hmm. Just in the U.S. or worldwide? Uh, it's got to be just in the U.S. doesn't say, but pr- yeah, I'm going to guess the U.S. Yeah, so uh, coming hot off the heels of uh, She's So Unusual, Annie Leibovitz uh, took the photo cover for this one. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently the boss had been hitting the gym pretty hard and, uh, <laughs> get, get, getting those buns in shape. As Birch said, that is America's ass. <laughs> it is America's ass. Well, it's an interesting it, cover. It, though, it was America's it. ass it's, in 1984. Yep. America's ass is a, it's a lot bigger now. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot of complexities to this record, but the cover, I mean, if, if you don't look at those complexities, it looks like a fucking lover boy cover. Yeah, you're sure, right. You know? Yeah. It's just like a butt and an American flag. It's, it's like low, lowest common denominator. On like. the front of that shirt just says, choose life. <laughs> uh, I will say that it it kind of, I was thinking about this week and I was like, what does that actually mean? Like, what does that cover actually mean? And I, I'm wondering if it is a little bit about the sticky fingers from the stones of having okay. the, having the zipper and the sort of like you want to be like a little bit raunchy, but this is a little more like, eh. 
So. I mean, yeah, you, that's a good point. Like this whole record, if you like listen to it and you don't pay attention to it, but you like it because it rocks and it has like the American flag on the cover and yeah. born in the USA, like it's completely possible to listen to this entire record and misinterpret all of it. Yeah. Like born in the USA, um, even after, you know, Bruce Springsteen, you know, told Ronald Reagan to stop campaigning on it. He gave some kind of speech where he was like, oh, just like Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> like, it's bizarre. I mean, considering, you know, the state of the nation at the time, it's not unexpected. It's you shouldn't expect subtlety of Americans anymore. I feel no. like if I you're like as a as a kid, like I remember my babysitter telling me that Ronald Reagan was like a bad person. Hmm. I, I didn't understand because I was a fucking, you know, it's like a a six-year-old or whatever, but like uh, from people like uh, I've talked to who were like, oh God, Reagan got elected. Their fear was very similar and palpable. Yeah, and it's valid because he fucked a lot of shit up and he's still regarded as a hero. Yeah. Populism, Uh, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, America, this this album represents the populism of of America, of, of we want we just want this sort of like, I don't want to say the lowest common denominator, but we just want it fast and now, right? We don't like the subtleties of this album are wonderful because Bruce Springsteen is a real artist and he puts craft into it, but he also knows, you know, uh, I, I think in his attitude, his, his worldview that he wants to rock, he wants to be Eddie Cochran, Elvis, mm-hmm. you know, like he loves that music. Yeah. That's his music. That's his that that makes him feel good. Mm-hmm. And he wants to go back to that sort of R&B, the rock and roll And this heartland is, a, you know, it has a, a bit of that. It's got the 80s flair. But for most people, this just represented pop music that was like country music at the same time. And, you know, had these sing along choruses that, you know, we're talking about glory days. We're talking about you know, being proud to be an American and, um, you yeah. know, I, I love, uh, I have a love in my life and things like that, like simple ideas, which he, he can convey that, but at the same time, he has the, uh, the intelligence to also put deeper meanings within each of the, you know, elements, but obviously that yeah. gets glossed over so much. I mean, we're so, yeah. He put this record out in 1985 you know, during like the peak of Reaganism. And he asks, you know, for a little bit of discernment from his audience. And this is not the time to look for subtleties, like in 1985 Mm-mm. in like mass 80, media, you know, in the monoculture back yeah. then, you know? So Reagan was running in 84 to be reelected in 84 and then start a second term in 85. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah, so that this, this would absolutely be the, the campaign cycle, born in the USA, blasting like, yeah. After every one of his fucking rallies. Yeah. And it, uh, do you think if the boss had given us some pancake butt on the front of this and it wasn't as like just a nice an, an, a nice dumper and he wasn't a big old muscly man because he went to the gym and got he got he got shredded like before this. Do you think I mean, if you're, that if you're people, playing three hour shows every night, you could be in shape. But I mean, what do you think that people would have paid a little more attention to the lyrical content if there wasn't such no. like a hunky butt on no. the front? No. I, I no, think he could would, yeah. the only this is way the MTV he, era. Yeah, I think the only way he could 
get around that if he is if he had some sort of like bedtime for democracy like dead kennedy's type of like album cover that was just like a completely offensive like album cover that just like completely shocked people to being like oh what the hell like what is up with this album something that would like make people actually pay attention you have to hit i mean you literally have to hit americans with a sledgehammer so there's no subtlety so even if it wasn't just uh, some hunky hams on there. No, it could it, it be a completely blank album in this, the, like hearing this, people would be like, yeah. I mean, do you think that uh, the album cover for uh, There's a Riot Going On also evokes the same patriotism? Yeah, people won't get that. They're going to see they're going to see that and be like, oh, Bruce Springsteen got some sort of flag, but may, it's kind of his own flag. He's a maybe this is a throwback or something. People <sighs> do not get this stuff. I mean, and I proudly <laughs> stand up. Yeah. It could be a uh, finish, right? Yeah. Uh, or, or, don't the Finns have the the red and the white? Yeah, yeah. Or that uh, the Swiss. Some I, people, no. some people did think too that he was just peeing on the flag. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I love that analogy too. <laughs> it's kind of amazing. Another thing I liked about this record is it's it's got a lot of heavy subject matter. But you get to track three, uh, Darlington County, and it's yeah. just about two dudes from New York trying to get laid with 200 bucks. Yeah. And then it ends with like Bruce Springsteen's buddy Wayne being like handcuffed to a cop car. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I appreciate that. There's a lot of heavy stuff on this record. So it's just, I don't know. Yeah. Political writer Peter Dreyer had uh, written that the, uh, the music's pop oriented sound. Uh, marketed uh, mar- was marketing Springsteen as a uh, a heavily muscled rocker with an album cover featuring a giant U.S. flag, and that may have actually overshadowed the album's radical politics. Yeah, absolutely. Do I think Bruce Springsteen went with it because he was m- sold however million fifteen million copies in the U.S.? He was probably like fine, but I will say it later shows he would talk to people and he would play um born in the usa on acoustic guitar and he would make people think about it Did he? yeah because he's a storyteller and he would be like this is this you know and i'll <laughs> i don't mind you I guys having to- a good time but also realize you know mm-hmm. what these lyrics are about so and sometimes he wouldn't even sing born in the usa he would just like not even sing that to the crowd he just sang. He just sang the verses. So it's a, it's a, it's a strange dynamic to, you know, to to create something and then also have a, you know, a slight rejection from that. Yeah. No one rejected it. People just co-opted it. Co-opted. Yeah. Sorry. Levi asked to use Born in the USA for a commercial. He, of course, rejected like he does for everything. He doesn't allow his um, music to be used in commercials uh, or for publicity. However, 
he did the the sale of Levi's did go up after Born in the USA showed him wearing a pair of Levi's on the album cover. <laughs> That's free advertising, baby. You know, come on, man. You're, you're going to get some blowback from that picture. <laughs> Andy Leibowitz. Uh, do you guys think this is the most misrepresented song? Born uh, in the USA. Uh, I, I oh, Born in the USA. The one that's in yes. cans. It's like, this seems pretty straightforward. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, absolutely. At least in America. It's a ass song. I mean, would you not say hey ya? Did you say hey ya? Yeah. Yeah. I say that's a. It's a very sad song where people are just like, ha ha, dancing around, having a great time. Yeah, but it doesn't have as deep of a. I feel like it doesn't cut as deep. Like it. You know what? Fortunate son. Also. Ah, there she is. Yeah, there you go. Which one, though? Born in the USA or Fortunate Son? Born in the USA. At least Fortunate Son is open to interpretation. Like, Born in the USA, you know. I was born in the USA, too. Yeah, okay. I think Born in the USA. All right. Gets a slight nod. Because you, because someone could realize when you're saying, it ain't me, it ain't me. I ain't no Fortunate Son. That's the core, you know, that's the chorus, whereas this chorus is born in the USA. It's less obvious, I think. I'm going to have to think on it. Okay. I bet I can find something that is uh, on the same caliber. Um, Yeah. I don't know. Remember that time that Mellencamp was talking about blowing a chili dog behind (laughs) an ice cream shop? And everyone's like, ah, (laughs) the house is fun. Heartland Rock's weird. It is. I can't believe Do we get like more get one... Springsteen records after this, or is this kind of the this this would have to be it. really? No, this would have to be it. I know you like the river. The river came out in nineteen eighty. <laughs> yeah, I think this is it. I'm still kind of reeling that we only got Tom Petty's first record. Is hometown? Is this the last track on the record? Yes. Yep. Yeah. What a stone cold fucking great, bar. Great song. I've always loved this song, but yeah, listening to it several times over the past week. You're wrong. Oh, we get the rising. We get There's... the rising. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh that's interesting. So oh, very cool. So there you go. Not done with spring scene. Yet. I like that record. That's like his comeback record. Can't kill the boss. That's right. That which is dead may never die. The horrible boss. Uh, I read today, I read this week that he doesn't like the title, The Boss. What? Who, I thought that was his own thing. No, no. <laughs> who, who, who coined that? Let me look it up real quick. I mean, it's kind of cool that he's not into it, but I bet he's secretly into it. I mean, I don't... He's like, don't call me The Boss, and then at home he goes to bed and he's like, I'm The Boss. <laughs> Every, you know, everything I've ever read about him and interview i've ever seen he seemed so laid back that he mm. i'm sure he's like whatever john mellencamp doesn't like to be called the coog either but <laughs> you get what you get fucker he hates the nickname the boss it was given to him by overwhelmed musicians in ashbury park new jersey in the early 70s oh so it was like a pejorative yeah because he because right. like he was probably being like, let's practice every day all the time and let's write a hundred songs <laughs> in a month. I can get why he would be against that, but 
you're the boss, dude. Just accept it. He's never done anything like embarrassing. You know what I'm saying? Like that's pretty impressive. Can you guys think of anything? I can't think of anything bad he's done. I do like this. I can't uh, think of any missteps. Sorry, yeah. Rob. Oh uh, no, you're fine. I, I like this quote about the album cover. Um, it's uh, we took a lot of different pictures, and in the end, the picture of my ass looked better than the picture of my face. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> I think Annie Leibovitz is still taking pictures for Vanity Fair. Yeah. Yeah, she was the one that took the uh, picture of Yoko and uh, that Polaroid of Yoko and uh, John Lennon, like, the day before he died. Iconic, yeah. Yeah. Man. Bruce Springsteen. Born in the USA. Yeah, what a... What a masterful... Yeah. So, uh, you know, Ben wanted us to bring up... uh, Downbound trained as being like a proto grunge song. What do you guys think about that? I could hear that. It's yeah. definitely a bummer. It's a fucking sad song. Yeah. Another say, Nebraska outtake. Or there was, there was plenty of uh proto grunge going on with uh Neil Young. Neil Young, yeah. Yeah. Um, sure. Yeah. I just I don't see how uh, anybody gets away from Bruce Springsteen and is like, nah. My wife. Hate him. My wife fucking hates him. Really? Yeah. Can, what? What are the reasons? Why? She has yet to articulate. Huh. And honestly, it's not a conversation. I feel it's not an argument. I feel like having. Yeah, that's like, fine. Yeah. Hopefully, I can just be like, put write down why you don't like Bruce Springsteen on this piece of paper. I have Is it? Have questions. See, and and many times when when I feel like someone is you know kind of saying, ah, oh, I'm not really into Bruce Springsteen. If you just listen to something like Born in the USA, I could see you being like, oh, I'm not really into this like pop and he's kind of got this well, she fucking, she, shtick and stuff. But She loves that Beat Love record. Like, yeah. Out of hell, she fucking loves it, which is always like. Ironically what? or like. No, like no, but full, full on like loves that record. And so I'm like, but if you listen to Born to Run. Like, because Meat Loaf is actually doing a take on Bruce Springsteen. I mean, yeah. that's that's self-admitted that but it's a, uh, they I, were doing that. I would argue it's a better take. We're cutting this all out of the podcast, right? It's Absolutely a, not. It's a more... <laughs> it has more... I mean, operatic leanings. It, it goes yeah. way more in the paint. Yeah. Than Bruce Springsteen ever would. Absolutely. Yeah, it stretches. Yeah. But it is absolutely like the primer is Bruce Springsteen. Definitely, one hundred. He's a good dude. Like he champions the working man. Like I said, seventy-five percent of this record is looking out for you know unemployed dudes. Yeah, I can't imagine like someone listening to Nebraska and being like, "This guy Fuck sucks. Guy. This guy sucks." Or like, "I'm on fire." Like what? What? She also got out of her rock and roll history class when they were trying to talk about the Beatles by writing an essay about why she disliked the Beatles. And it was so well written that her. It's fine. So, I mean, she's contrarian to a point, but also just has the way her noodle works. It it makes sense. So I I, I don't know. But it's it's, it's not an argument I ever want to have with her. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it's okay. I just, I find it really hard to 
if you like any sort of rock and roll based, like if you have any, I, I guess that's what it is. If you have any desire to be, to have a basis in, uh, yeah, Beatles, Elvis, and that sort of like 50s, like that rock and roll Heartland, like rock country element. Bruce Springsteen. Like she loves it. Tom Petty. That's confusing now. I know, okay, right? What? All right. Right. Rob, we're coming over. We're having an intervention. No, there's, there's no need to have we're an intervention. We're going to get a box. We're going to play the boss. Just, just didn't say anything that, style. That's really confusing because. What? I know, man. I'm. How she feel about Coog and. No, she fucking hates. Bob Seeger. Uh, loves. I uh, loves Bob Seeger. What? It's getting more interesting. Yeah. Have you considered a reality show? All right. Uh, what do we think of Born in the USA? I love it, man. Love it. There, there yeah. are there are two tracks on it where I was like, hmm, but I mean, oh, are they the two um, Van Zant songs? Goodbye to my teenage buddy, Van Zant. Um, which one? Did yeah, what's your what's your Van Zant? Hey, bro, what's your Van Zant? Bobby Jean and I'm going down. If those are Van Zant, and Bobby Jean, they're back to back. Openers oh, yeah. are said. The, the, wow. the, those are the ones that uh, okay. the, the kind of uh, wear Rob, on those me. are the ones that don't have stars next to either. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. All right, then. Good. Vindication. That means you're my Van Zant. <laughs> A thumbs up on this record. I mean, you should at least, like, I don't know. Check this record out. Yeah. yeah. This it's very one, culturally important. That's one of the few Christ Gavs that gets an A+. He gave it a fucking A+. Yeah, man. I'll, I'll read it to you right now. Imperceptible like, through I the like movement. Imperceptible though the movement has been to many sensitive young people, Springsteen has evolved. In fact, this apparent retrenchment in his most rhythmical proposal, r- rhythmically propulsive Vocally incisive, lyrically balanced, and commercially undeniable album. Even his compulsive studio habits work for him. The aural vibrancy of the thing reminds me like nothing in years that what teenagers loved about rock and roll wasn't that it was catchy or even vibrant, but that it was just plain sounded good. And while Nebraska's one-note vision may have been more left correct, he hated Nebraska, he's a fucking idiot, uh, my instincts, not to mention my leftism, left me tell me that this up-tempo worldview is truer. Hardly right off into the sunset stuff at the same time, it's low on nostalgia and beautiful losers. Not counting the title powerhouse, the best songs slip by at first because their tone is so lifelike. The fast stepping working on the highway, which turns out to be about a country road gang. Darlington County, which pins down the futility of a macho spree without undercutting its exuberance. And Glory Days, which finally acknowledges that among other things, getting old is a good joke. A plus. Is he a champion of the working class Midwestern man? <laughs> Yeah, I never would have pegged him as that, but an A, he gave this an A plus or A plus. Yeah, I, I guess we'll we'll find out when we get to Scarecrow. Yeah. Is this his first A plus? Um, no, no, he's he's had a few, but it, it's it's very few and far between with what we've been covering. Yeah, absolutely. Wait, are, when you said Scarecrow, you of course mean Mellencamp, right? Yes. Yeah. Did he give Mellencamp an A plus? I don't know. We're gonna find. But out. We're gonna find out. All right. I'm sorry. Listen to Born in the USA. Yeah, it's great. That's good. Listen to this in Nebraska. 
listen to the Nebraska Sessions uh, with yeah. the E Street Band and then be like, my God, he wrote this in three days. <laughs> All right, next time we'll be talking about The Fall, This Nation's Saving Grace. Woo! I think so. Cool, my design.